We're going to be bouncing back and forth between Matthew and Luke and maybe even a little bit in Isaiah, kind of bouncing around a few different places. So if you want to open up to the book of Matthew, that's where we'll get started and then we'll, we'll move around. We'll go from place to place here and look at a few different things. Last week we began our series, uh, Come Behold, and we looked at a time when uh, the call to behold was, was laid out for us in the Old Testament. Uh, we looked in Isaiah 43, and God was telling a people that were in captivity, that were uh, heading towards captivity, that uh, if they look back to the Exodus, a place where if there's anything, a people in captivity would look for hope, that uh, they were actually thinking too small if they were to look back to the book of Exodus. That it was not, uh, it was not big enough. They needed to think bigger. There was something else God was about to do. A new thing is what He called it. So there, Isaiah was pointing to something new, something bigger that was coming. But this wasn't the only time that Isaiah did this. Just a second ago, I read from uh, Isaiah chapter 9, the, the earlier reading for the Advent candle, taken from Isaiah, for unto us a child is given. That was a prophecy that ultimately would call us to look to the Messiah, to Jesus born as a baby. Now, Isaiah didn't just do this there, he did it in other places as well, and we'll see this as we, uh, we kind of go through here. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to I look at a few different ways that the gospel writers use this word, behold. A few different ways that, that we are called to behold Jesus. It's a loaded word with much for us to consider this morning. So with that in mind, we're going to get right to work because we're going to, there's a lot of reading I need to do this morning, a lot for us to talk about. So we'll get right to work and we'll look in the book of Matthew and we'll read one of the more common passages for the Christmas story. And we will look for that word, behold. So Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 is where we will begin. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That prophecy taken from Isaiah chapter 7. So all throughout the book of Isaiah, we see these different ways that, that that is put out there for us to behold, to stop, and to consider, to look for, to pay attention to. So we saw that in Isaiah 43, we saw that today in Isaiah 9, this quote taken from Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Twice in this passage here, we are told to behold. Once in verse 23, the quote from Isaiah chapter 7, over and over and over, this word comes up in the Christmas story. 
And it also comes up in the prophecies in the Old Testament, and then it comes up again here in the New Testament. This word is used to draw our attention. It should cause us to step back a little bit. So in the Old Testament, Isaiah says, behold, pay attention. And then in the New Testament, it's almost as if the gospel writers are picking up on that same language and saying, he told you to look for this. Now I'm telling you, here it is. Pay attention to this. Over and over and over, the Christmas story calls us to look around and to pay attention. So when we get to the New Testament, the gospel account of the Christmas story, it isn't just a call for us to to stop and kind of halfway go through the motions because we've heard this before, but to pay attention to what God is going to do. And then in the New Testament, to pay attention to what God is doing in their midst. And this is the first way I want us, I'm going to give us three ways for us to consider this word behold and what it means. Like I said, it's loaded with meaning. The first way is that it is an invitation. Behold is an invitation. Throughout the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, this comes up again and again and again. The gospel writers trying to draw the reader, us, into the story. They want us to recognize the importance of the moment, so they create for us, An invitation, an invitation to come and behold. I wonder, have you ever been invited to like a really, like a big time party? Like something invitation only, you can't just show up and crash the party because there's bouncers standing outside. You have to have the invite to get in. You've got to know someone to get in. Emily and I don't have much experience with that. We are not that, that cool, we're not that well connected, but... On the very, very rare occasion, we've been able to participate in in something like this. And so for us, it really stands out when this happens. A few years back, Emily's job opened up a a pretty impressive uh, weekend for us. It opened up some pretty impressive doors. She was writing a story on the Chief Justice of the Tennessee Supreme Court. And it just so happened that she was going to be doing something really important at the the, the time that this article was being written. She was going to be the one who was holding the Bible while Governor Haslam was sworn in for his second term as governor. So, Emily managed to finagle a pretty sweet deal out of this thing. Uh, Instead of just getting a few pictures mailed to her, Emily was able to convince uh, the the people footing the bill, hey, I need to be there to take some pictures of this and to really be a part of it so that I I can get the full scope of what's going on. And so we got to spend two nights in Nashville at a swanky hotel that we could never afford. Uh, It was really nice. It even had like the awkward moment when the the guy carries your bags up and like, you know, the home alone moment where like you give him a tic-tac. That was the same kind of thing that we felt like, like, I don't know how much money do I give this guy? I could have carried this bag. Is it necessary that I tip this guy? I don't know. I'll give him a little bit of money. I think I gave him like a five or something. I, I think that's what I gave him. Maybe that's enough. Maybe I should have gave him a five and a tic-tac, and that would, have, that would have put us over the edge. But So we got to stay at this, this swanky ho- hotel. We got some, uh, some very special invitations, like nice, like big forms. These weren't like Ticketmaster tickets that are p- printed out on like the, the thing. These were really nice tickets that got us to uh, a few different places. One of the places we got to go was to the governor's pre-inaugural party in downtown Nashville. Invitation only. Top floor of... A uh, pretty nice place down there. You can see we got our picture here uh, with, with Governor Haslam. We, got, uh, we were able to get in there. And, and I'll tell you, when, when this picture was taken, 
I told Emily, that's going to be a really cool picture because that guy's going to be a senator and he might just be our president one day. And then politics went crazy as if they weren't already. And so he's not going to be any of those things it doesn't look like. But at the time, we thought, that's really cool. I just got to shake hands and meet uh, the governor. That was really, really fun. We also got tickets for his prayer service, uh, passes for the prayer service the next day at the Ryman uh, Auditorium. So we were able to go in there first and only time I've ever been to the Ryman. I'm pretty sure this is guys from... Jars of Clay, I think, singing for us, but there was a lots of uh, kind of the Nashville superstars that were there to offer prayers and to sing songs on behalf of uh, Governor Haslam. It was a really cool weekend. It was, uh, it was really neat to get to go to all these places that we had no business uh, being at. Uh, we've never been invited to anything like that before or uh, since we, we did not have the wallets or the power to justify being in any of these rooms. It's typically reserved for donors and for uh, important people that helped the governor get elected. But we got in there. You know, we walked in, we flashed our passes, and they let us walk right by the security. And we were in the, the room where all of this partying was going on. We were able to get in there all because we had the right invitation. Now, were we out of our comfort zone? Absolutely. We had absolutely no idea what we were supposed to be doing. We just kind of stood around and looked at each other like, I don't know, what do you, how, how do you party at one of these things? Because we're not partiers, really. So we were trying to figure out, like, what, what do you do here at this point? And so we just kind of stood there awkwardly for about two hours. And, but we got in there. So we were totally out of our comfort zone, but we were having a lot of fun uh, but most of all, the entire weekend that we were there, we were taking everything in stride with our eyes wide open. We did not want to miss anything in this moment, from the uh, inauguration and standing there and listening to what Governor Haslam had to say and uh, our ability to stand there with press passes where only the, the press can be and to be able to stand up there in this uh, really kind of cool spot to the, 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 the pre-party, to the prayer service, none of these things that we should be at or that, that really we had any business being at, but we got to. And so the whole time we're sitting there trying to take all this in, like, hey, this is really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing for us. We don't do this kind of thing all that much, so we didn't want to miss anything. So as awkward as we may have felt trying to be wallflowers in, uh, at the party and these different things, we still wanted to take it all in and pay attention and to see everything. In a word, we wanted to behold what was going on in front of us. We didn't know what to expect but we knew we better pay attention because it probably wasn't going to happen again. When I read these words in Isaiah and then I hear Matthew quote them again, I can't help but feel like I've got another set of, of invitations in my hand. And here's the thing about this Christmas invitation. See, the, the invitations that, that, that Emily got, I can't remember if they showed up in the mail or if she had to pick them up in the office of, the, uh, of where she worked because they were like pretty special things. But I remember they were in like a, a pretty big package. They were very clearly marked. It pretty much was saying, don't throw this away because that would be really bad for you. These are your invitations. These are your passes. This is the only way for you to do this. But here's the thing about the invitation that we receive here at Christmas. It so easily gets lost with all the junk mail. 
It so easily gets put on the table, put on the counter, and then it just, it just kind of disappears and blends in with everything else. We knew with these passes, we, we needed to put them in a special place where they would be marked, they would be clear, they would not get thrown away, they would be protected, they would be uh, all separate from everything else because we could not lose them. When we left the, the house that day, we checked half a dozen times before we left to make sure that we had them. When we got to the hotel, we made sure that we still had them. When we left the hotel to go to the party, we checked in my coat pocket a half a dozen times there to make Make sure you know you got the tickets, right? Yeah, I've got them. You got the passes, right? Yeah, I've got them. Are you sure you got the passes? I don't know. Let me check and see if I've got the passes. I want to make sure that I've got the passes. This is the conversation that went on over and over and over. We wanted to make sure we didn't lose the invitation. But the Christmas story for us is so familiar that we can just sit it on the table. In the pile with the, the mounting credit card bills, the ads the marketing materials, the junk mail. It all just sits there with, with all this stuff right next to the, the fake new car that we've won. If we'll just, Isaiah still, like, he loves to get that stuff. You know the stuff, if you just scratch this off or it's got the key attached to it, he's like, why are you not calling this? This is a key to your car. You need to do this. And I'm like, buddy, it's not really how it works. You, you don't get keys to cars. He's like, but it's right here. It's a key, Right? It all gets put in that, that junk with all of that. Some of the stuff looks super flashy in the, junk, in the junk mail. Some of it looks really, really good. It's the same way life works for us. We get stuff all around us that looks really good. It gets our attention. We buy into it, hook, line, and sinker until it's too late, and then we realize, wait a minute, this doesn't do anything that it was promised to do. This is just a scam. Meanwhile, the real invitation is sitting there with the other stuff in, a, in an envelope that's marked, Behold. And we just kind of sit it over there to the side. And we go about doing our thing. We drift off into the seventh version of the Grinch that we've seen this month, and we just kind of let it all go. This Advent season, my prayer, my plea for, for myself and for you is that this invitation doesn't get lost in the mundane and the frantic, in the routine and in the crazy. Set this invitation aside in a place where you will not lose it, where it won't get mistaken for something that's ordinary or for something that is junk, but instead it's in a special place that says, behold, pay attention, come, get drawn into this story. Check for it every day when you wake up. Check for it whenever you head out and when you lie down. Hear the invitation to behold instead of just another Christmas story that you've heard time and time again. And this leads me to the next aspect of beholding. So the first is that, that beholding is an invitation. You see, the thing about beholding is you can't behold mindlessly. Beholding something implies that it isn't routine, that it isn't normal, that it's not done on autopilot. So much of Christmas is done this way for us. You go shopping, you buy the gifts, you watch the movies. More than any other time of the year, this, this, this time of year is built on traditions. Now don't hear me wrong, traditions are good things. I love the way traditions work their magic over the years. 
How there may not be one moment that stands out for you, but there's something about the repetition that kind of wears a spot in your heart that says, this is important to us. I love the accumulation of moments that, that presses in on our souls. I love that. But the act of beholding is meant to shake us from that. See, traction is, is good for many things. For you to be able to, to, to go through that routine, it's good for many, many things. But when you're considering the weight of the incarnation and how it should affect your soul, it can rob you of the weightiness. The routine and the tradition of the, the Christmas season can rob you of the weightiness of the incarnation. And the reason why is because the, the invitation to come and behold is an invitation that invokes a response. Behold invokes a response. In order to truly behold, you have to respond. I can do most of my days on autopilot if I have to. Most of what I need to do to get through the day, I can do on autopilot if I need to. We all need routine. It helps us to cope and to uh, avoid things like decision fatigue. I've been listening to a book about willpower right now, and it talks about the importance of routine because willpower is kind of like a bank account that you have, and you can only spend so much every single day. And if you have a routine where you can just kind of do things on autopilot, it allows you to store up that, that willpower kind of bank account that you have. So routine is important and it's necessary. So let's apply this practically. Our decision to read the Bible every morning at first will cost a lot of willpower dollars, if you will. It will draw out of that bank account. But after a while, a routine is developed and it doesn't cost as much of that resource because it just happens naturally. But here's the thing. The act of reading our Bible should be routine. But our sanctification, our fighting against sin, our resisting temptation, our relationship with God that comes from that routine, that requires our full attention. It doesn't happen routinely. It happens purposefully. And it happens when we respond. So it is with Christmas. We have been given an invitation in the Christmas story. An invitation is useless if you do not respond. And I'm not talking RSVP either. If we had taken those tickets for that inauguration, for that party, for that prayer service, if we had taken that, that invitation and those passes and, and we had just sat them on the mantle, even if we set them up there in a really nice way, maybe we got a frame for them and we, 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 put, a, we put a frame around the invitation and we, uh, we made it look really, really pretty and we put some lights around the invitation. Maybe even if we memorized the invitation and, and, and hung ornaments around it and, and said, look at this really cool invitation that we got. And maybe we even sang songs about the invitation and, and the great party that we had. It would not matter a bit. In order for that invitation to mean anything, it had to be used. It had to be acted upon. There had to be a response. 
For too many of us, the Christmas season is an invitation that we sing songs about and that we put lights on and we hang ornaments around and we talk about and we're, we, we, we buy gifts to, to celebrate the invitation, but we don't actually respond to it. And it just kind of goes right by. And the response is left un, undone. And the invitation means nothing if you do not respond. I don't know how many manger scenes you have in your house. I don't know how pretty your trees are. I don't know how fun your traditions are or how brightly your tree is lit. I don't know how loud you sing rocking around the Christmas tree or what other Christmas traditions you have. But if you don't stop and behold and then respond to the story of the incarnation of God, God with us, then Christmas will never be what it's meant to be for you. I want to look at two places where this comes out. Matthew chapter 1, again, we'll read this again. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then how does Joseph respond to the invitation to behold when joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the lord commanded him and he took his wife the angel told joseph to behold the angel invited joseph to a front row seat for this new thing god had said was coming it just so happened this new thing that was coming was now going to be coming through his fiance. And that is an awkward moment for him. So Joseph had a choice. He could do what he had planned to do, let her go, or he could respond to the invitation that he had been given. And he chose to respond. And when he woke, he did what the angel had instructed. I want you to see one other place uh, here where this happens. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So you can turn over a couple of books here to uh, Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary receives the ultimate invitation. Joseph may have gotten front row passes for what was about to happen. Mary kind of gets the backstage passes, right? She gets the full invitation, come and behold. How does she respond? Her response was perfect. In verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, 
Mary's Magnificent. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and rich And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary was given the invitation of invitations to behold something that has never been done and will never be done again. To be a part of God's arrival on earth. God made flesh. God with us. A God that she would carry in her womb. If there were ever an invitation that would provoke a response, that is it. And that invitation for sure wasn't going to go in the junk mail for Mary. She wasn't ready to quite share that invitation with mom and dad just yet either, but she knew she had to respond to this invitation. So what did she do? She sang a song. She worshipped. That was her response. She worshipped. What will you do with your invitation this morning? Christmas is one loud invitation. That's not planned. Christmas, one loud invitation for us. Just as Mary was given, it is one loud invitation. But it's so easy to let that invitation get lost in the rush and the routine, to be put aside in the junk mail, to get put away. Our call is to come and behold. So finally, I want to look at one more, uh, one more way that that word behold is used in the Gospels. Luke chapter 2 now. Turn over just a little bit, a little bit further in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, this is the angel talking to the shepherds. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that was happened, or see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I'm going to read one more. Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. So back to Matthew now. told you we'd be going back and forth. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. This is the wise men speaking with Herod. 
They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold... The star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That is one of my favorite verses. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Two very different groups of people, two very different sets of circumstances, one common theme. They have absolutely no business being in this story at all. Neither one of them, the wise men nor the shepherds. The shepherds don't belong because they are poor. They are insignificant nobodies. The last people that should show up at a royal birth. The wise men don't belong because they aren't Jews. They did not belong at the Jewish king's birth. Yet both of them got an invitation to the incarnation. King Herod, it would have made sense for him to get an invitation. After all, he is a king. He is royalty. But he's got to learn about this invitation through the wise men. He says, wait a minute, you guys got an invitation? I didn't get an invitation. Must have gotten lost in the mail. Let me know where it is. I don't want to to miss this thing. Let me come over there. Of course, that's not at all what, what he was trying to do. But he didn't get the invitation. No invitation came for Herod. But the shepherds got one. The wise men got one. The wise men even assumed that he would have gotten one. That's why they stopped by Herod's house on the way, because they're like, hey, this guy would have gotten it. He can point us to the right place. But he didn't get one at all. It came to the forgotten, the far off, the foreigner, the outsider, the outcast, the lowly, the least deserving. That's who got the invitation to behold. And what do they do? They responded to the invitation. It had their names on it, even though no one knew their names. It had their address on it, even though they were a long, long way from the party. But both of them, they opened their invitation. And on that invitation, the words were there, come and see. And this is the third way that the the word behold is used. It means to come and see. Don't just hear the invitation. Don't just show up at the party. Come and see. Take note. Take it in. Ponder. Consider. Meditate. Look at what it is that you are seeing when you show up, shepherds, wise men. This is God in the flesh. Not just a king, but the king of kings. The shepherds and the wise men were told, come and see what God has done. And what was their reaction whenever they got the invitation and they responded? It was the same as Mary's. 
they worshiped. They were invited, they responded, and they beheld, and then they worshiped. Worship will always begin with beholding. Believing begins by beholding. This morning, I'm not sure who it is that you identify with in this story. The wise men were people that didn't grow up in church. They didn't know about the the Jewish religious rituals. They didn't didn't feel like they they would fit in here at all. Maybe that's you. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you don't feel like you fit in here. Maybe you're just here because somebody invited you. You had a a family member that was here that was doing something. Or or you just showed up because it's Christmas and sometimes that just feels like that's what you should do is show up at church. But, But you don't feel like you fit in because it's church. And that's not really your thing. The wise men didn't fit in. They didn't know anything about the Jewish customs. Maybe you're here and you don't consider yourself to be a Christian. You don't even consider yourself to be religious. You're not sure what the big deal about Christmas is. Listen to me. You have an invitation to come and behold. Just like those foreign, non-Jewish wise men, you've been given an invitation to come and see what God has done. Maybe you feel like you're more like the shepherds. You feel like you don't belong here either, but not because you don't know anything about the the customs or what church is, but because you're too dirty, you're too sinful, you're too messed up, you're too broken, you're too far away from the ideal church member to be at church. You too have an invitation to come. And your name is on it. Come and see what God has done. Maybe you're Mary or Joseph. You grew up in church. You know the rules. You know the routines. You know the right thing to do. You know when to do it. You know when to stand up. You know when to sit down. You know when to bow your head. You know what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. But listen, when God calls us to behold, you need to know that what's about to happen is something that demands your full attention. I don't care how familiar it seems to you. When God calls you to behold, it demands all of us. The call to behold is not a call to show up. It's a call to take it in. It's a call to respond. It's a call to be changed. Joseph was changed. Mary was changed. Beholding implies that something is happening that is unexpected, that is unfamiliar. I wonder, has your walk with Jesus just become familiar, expected? Routine. Normal. When was the last time God did something new in your life that made you say, man, I didn't see this coming? Something where he said, pay attention to this. This is a big deal. Behold. Let this Christmas be that moment where you stop doing the same old religious routine the same old Christmas routine, the same old you and your family routine where you just do the thing that you do because that's what you do. Gaze at Christ. Look to Jesus. Behold Him. And see if that doesn't begin to change you. For all of us, my prayer is that we leave here like the wise men and the shepherds, worshiping. Like Mary and Joseph, changed we hear the call to behold 
which should lead us to a celebration of worship and to a posture of humility where we see what God is doing. Would you, would you make that your prayer today that you would truly be able to behold and be changed and to know God and what it is that He wants to do in your life and how He wants to work in you and through you? That's the message of Christmas. Come and see what God has done. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning we are humbled. Humbled that we have an invitation at all. That you would know our name, that you would know our address, that you would know the very number of hairs on our head. And that you would not say, no, 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 put them on the do not invite list because they don't belong here. But instead, you would say, come and see. Come in and see what it is that that has happened here. Come see with the shepherds. Come see with the wise men. Come see with Mary and Joseph. Come take a front row seat to what, what, what has happened. Man, that invitation should have, should have never been sent. At best, it should have been lost in the mail long ago. And yet every Christmas, the invitation comes. Every day, the invitation comes. Behold, come and see. Father, give us eyes to see. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.